Welcome back, and here's a recap from the last chapter. Chapter 9 starts with Katie, Captain Cash and Lynx tearing across the coast of Festavia, riding blue looking for survivors. Lynx, a festival organiser, has a gift of sensing parties. He feels one close by, but it feels strange. Nevertheless, Katie feels compelled to go. Waking Wraith, written by Alexander Campbell, narrated by Alexander Campbell. Chapter 9, The West Coast. The sun has set. The horizon had changed from infinitely green to a pale choppy blue. The turbulent wind carried a smell of salt, sulphur and seaweed. Blue's fur was swept back. She looked half the cat. Neither Lynx nor the captain had been this far. Astride, whom had tired from flying against the wind, snuggled on Katie's arms. Reaching the rocky coastline, they travelled along its rugged coasts. The energy led Lynx. The waves lapped and smashed against the jagged rocks of a cratered rock-pooled beach. Old washed-up fishermen's creel boxes and dried seaweed laid off the tide's reach. Half-eaten boats lay cast upon the coast's grassy bank. It's oddly beautiful, she thought. Blue halted outside a sizeable single-storey shack. Built from odd bits of driftwood, the strong wind tested its sturdiness, but its timbers were held only by blue plastic rope and rusty nail fixings. Smooth bottles from the sea were stacked tightly in holes. They were its windows. A lonely flapping sign hung outside, a large uneven door, plainly reading, Grog. The shack vibrated from the sound of a man screaming and an accordion bellowing from inside. We've found others, said Katie. All were shivering. She'd arrive in Festavia wearing a thin white top, black jeans and a jumper around her waist. The others were dressed for summer. Lynx shivered while staring glumly at the door. She pushed it and the creak seemed to last forever. The music stopped. She walked in. Inside was dimly lit and vast. Beer barrels were the tables and washed up objects from the sea were the chairs. A man sitting on an upright plastic box with a flat cap and a nose to match sat holding an accordion. Standing by him, holding a flask of foam, was a man. An inked shark swam up his neck to his eye. Next to the bar was a pool table. A hanging oil lantern lit a patched felt surface. Katie made her way to it. She hated the game, but it was somewhere to escape from the praying eyes. Before she got there, two men jumped up and claimed it. She shook her head and headed for the bar. Lynx and the captain lagged behind. The barman, who wore a green apron and had long, grey wavy hair and a deep stoic stare, said in a calm voice, I'll serve thee, but you should be gone after sunset. Looking around, she said, Why? Is this where vampires hang out? He chuckled. Or vampires are mere butterflies compared to these horrible goblins that come here to feed. What will it be? Oh, I'll have a Bailey's and ice. I feel indulgent. And guys, what are you having? They shrugged the shoulders. She continued. And two glasses of Prosecco for these two. The man choked to laugh and slammed down three leather flasks. With a drinks hose made from a sea snake skin, he filled each one with bubbling froth. A small fish jumped free from one, but was snatched and swallowed whole by the man. He said, We only serve grog, the finest grog, brewed from the engine room of my giant squid trawler. Giant squid, she asked. Oh yes, the sea is riddled with them. Any muttering had stopped and a weight of expectation wore on her shoulders. Grasping a flask, she grimaced. There was a tap on her left shoulder. She looked around. No one was there. Upon turning back, she saw the flask was tipped over. <clears throat> Bellowed in her ear. Next to her appeared a short, stocky, barrel-chested man. 
Removing an eel's tail from his mouth, he said, You couldn't keep away, could you? With joy, she cried, Ajax! Yeah, that's my name, don't wear it out. She grabbed and cuddled him. Oi, what are you doing back here then? Katie explained. He half listened while he gulped down the other two flasks. Ajax was famous for knowing everyone in Festavia. His dad was a renowned sports coach. If it wasn't for either of them, Katie wouldn't have made it back. He was usually a cheeky, optimistic fella, but now he stalled his words. The fisherman's village was his home, because there was nowhere else to go. Living there was rough, but fortunately he vaguely knew the locals, and after many drinking sessions, they accepted him. Lutz had not been this far, but Ajax knew he would come soon. The locals cared not to hear about Lutz. Festavia's problems were meaningless to them. To pay his way, Ajax fished with the local fishermen. It was a hard graft, but it passed time. The sun dipped and the shack steadily filled. Many men and some women with long knotted hair, worn faces and sullen looks, congregated in packs around them. Katie's voice rose above the muffles. The captain nudged her. A roar erupted when a man with shoulder-length blonde hair arrived with a band. He carried a three-tone sunburst colour guitar. The audience waited like he was to give a sermon. The cold and hot atmosphere fused, Grog splashed and empty tables and stools flew in all directions. A churning mass of bodies formed. It swirled by the stage, pushing and sucking others in. Katie and the others stood back against the wall. The captain asked, Are they dancing or fighting? Lynx, who was blind but could feel the energy, said, It's a mosh pit. A flask bounced off the wall by the captain's head. Rattled, he said, It's time to go. Ajax said, We can't. They'll jump us if we do. Katie had a gleeful, wild look. She shook her hair and shrieked, I'm going in. The men close by, covered in inked beasts from the sea, hanging beards and nose rings, nudged each other. They laughed, and one grabbed and slung her over his shoulder. The captain looked to Lynx. He looked to Ajax and he sighed, Oh, shall I go and get my face smashed? Well, if you don't mind, the captain said. We'll be right behind you, said Lynx. Katie's face was a scorching red. She wriggled furiously. Ajax tapped a mallet of her shoulder. The man spun. Ajax ducked her legs and said, Can I have my girlfriend back, please? He roared with laughter. You're dumped. The other mountains with beards laughed too. Ajax tightened his jaw. Look, you nonce. Put her down or I'll smash your face. He waited for a reaction. He expected at least a flinch. The man answered with a sinister smile. I like being hit, and he tossed her to his friend. Ajax said, fantastic. The behemoth of a man drew his thick arm back and swung a looping punch. Spotting it, Ajax ducked, crying, woohoo. He spun around to the man's back, jumped on and clung to his head. He bucked and jumped. Ajax called, we've got a live one here. Several thick fingers prized him off and hurled him into the crowd. The captain swung a punch, but missed and crashed into a barrel. Lynx had a go but it was thrown like a javelin across the room. Katie screamed a curdling cry. From outside, there was a deafening snarl. The music stopped. Then the door and the walls around burst into pieces. Amongst the falling fragments, Blue rocketed through, snarling and hissing. Instead of fleeing, the crowd pounced on her. The fluffy cat switched to a crazed beast. She battered and knocked all for six. The room turned into a frenzied excitement of drinking and fighting. The heart and its precariously bound timbers rocked and wobbled. And it was undoubtedly about to collapse when, bewitched, Hayboy played. The brawlers froze. 
shouting into a box, which amplified his voice. The barman cried, that's right, my brothers. This will play on loop if you carry on. They stopped and the singer smiled and sung, Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. With Blue by her side, Katie pushed to the front and took the mic. She glared at the man who grabbed her. Oi, you, what makes you think you can do that? He coldly answered, It's how I meet women. And that works? Not really. On earth you'd get arrested. Why not try, hey, what's your name? They won't listen. They're too up themselves. So you think it's better to cut the small talk and just pick them up, literally. Well, you're the first new bird who's been here in ages. Babs and Daisy, they've already given me a black eye and a kick in the nuts. Two women by the bar screeched together. Next time, Jean, we'll have them. This was Festavia. At times beautiful, but turn a corner and one can find themselves in a surreal place straight out of a comic book. It was like a dream. It could change from mad to crazy to sinister and exciting in a heartbeat. Her dreams were like this. They could be abstract one moment, then clear and vivid the next. The atmosphere calmed to a light scrapping and some being sick. The kids aren't all right by offspring played. Blue sat next to her, her tail wagging. The dancing carnage in front filled with sweaty men, wearing faded rock band vests, jumped and clied into one another. Some butted heads. She said, no one here is normal, not even Festavia normal, and that's saying something. A woman wearing a black vest, studded choker and a wristband to match, pulled up a plastic fish box. Her eyes darkened by thick mascara, contrasted her pale face. Around her throat dangled a black heart that nestled in her cleavage. Between her rosy lips hung an Edwardian pipe stuffed with Festavia's grass. Moving it to the corner of her mouth, she said, Honey, normal is for people who've lived regular. You ask any of these about their life, and they'll tell you things that make your pants wet. Her eyes glistened in anger, sadness and humour. Katie straightened her back and said, I like your necklace. It's a chain. It reminds me that hearts bite. Why do you say that? Doesn't yours bite? No, mine just hurts, Katie said. She stared wonderingly into Katie's eyes and sucked her pipe, and the smoke poured from her nose. She asked, want some? I'm all right, thanks. I need to keep my head clear. Why? This world ain't worth seeing right, Katie said. Festavia's in danger, and that's a cool looks is going to destroy it. I'm looking for help to fight him. She said, cool, I'm glad. These fools drove us out. We're Festavia's outcasts. It makes me laugh that now we are Festavia, she laughed. Katie said, you seem to know people here. Can you get them to fight Lutz? He will kill us all. Death ain't bad, babe. It comes sooner or later. Hopefully sooner. She blew a mouthful of smoke above Katie's head. Sweat ran down the walls and dripped from the ceiling. The crowd swayed entranced to a band playing Enter the Sandman by Metallica. Bound to an unknown timer, Katie had to leave. Before she did, a sweaty palm slapped her on the shoulder. Another peculiar person sat down. His eyes buzzed. He looked wired. Apprehensively, she leaned away. He leaned further in and said, peering through wet straggly hair, It's all a system, you know. Where I lived was like a circuit board. Every street was called First, Second, Third, and then Main Street. It was like every other crappy town. You only got by if you fit in. What happens if you don't? Katie stared blankly back. 
you end up working a night shift in a 7-Eleven high as a kite. If you're smart, rich or pretty, you're okay. I'm neither. I was born to live in the cracks. You see, you have to conform. But that's not me. Because of that, I lived in a damn toy town surrounded by plastic people. I was the freak. What's different here? She asked. It's home. And like a wild dog, he bounced up and off into the crowd. Katie had not planned how she returned to home. The portal slash magic door was back at the palace ruins. That was at least a day's ride away. Her body was sat in a club and would soon be discovered. Blue led first, parting the crowd. Outside they talked about what to do. Lynx said he was receiving similar vibes further along the coast. The captain and Lynx had little faith to find anyone who'd help. The people along the coast were outcasts for a reason. Katie felt the opposite and she saw potential. The outcasts had enough anger to fight, but not a reason. She said, we must meet others. Once we get to know them, we can get them on side. Ajax told her that he would stay at the fisherman's village and work on them. Link stared into the blustery headwind. His eyes watered and he sighed. This way then. Blue wrestled the wind. At times the pace was slower than a Sunday stroll, but perseverance prevailed and they found another encampment. A ring of wooden caravans formed a shield against the elements. It was night, but the moon provided enough light to see. The wind dulled and the chords of a guitar, coupled with an enchanted voice, sailed in the breeze. It's coming from the camp, whispered Lynx. Crouching down, stroking blue, Katie whispered, let's go in. Captain Cash said, they are the gypsies of Festavia. They're not to be trusted. Taking no notice, Katie climbed between the two caravans and shouted, come on. To not cause alarm, they left Blue behind. Following the harmonic notes, they trod lightly to the camp's centre and stopped before a circle of a hundred or so people sat around a fire, listening to a singer. When the song ended, they stepped out of the shadows. Katie, with her stride perched on her shoulder, said, Hi. All at once, without a pause for thought, every single member of the crowd, man, woman and child, turned and pointed a cocked musket at them. Katie jumped and raised her hands. The captain grunted, I told you. The singer, who looked younger than his voice, sounded, said, Amigos, you're lucky we're not drunk. His long cowboy boots straddled a footstool and a black suede jacket with decorative red, purple and pink silk embroidery glistened in the moonlight. We mean you no harm, Katie said sternly. He laughed and said, Possibly not, senorita. Who are you? This is Captain Cash, the palace's party organiser, and this is Lynx, the festival organiser. They're of no interest. Who are you? I'm Katie from Earth. There was some whispering from the crowd. He continued, Earth, your people are always lost. I've heard of you. You saved the palace from the bureaucrats. Shame for you, it's for nothing. I don't believe it was. But anyway, we're here to save you from Lutz. We must fight together. The crowd cackled and lowered their muskets. Katie asked, what's so funny? He said, you Chica won't save us. We'll save ourselves. We never get caught. A skill the rest of Festavians should have learnt. They shunned us, so the shunned learnt how to make it on their own. And look now, the shunners are no more. Katie shrugged her shoulders and said, All right then, you're sorted. Can we party with you guys? The man sat back on his chair and strummed his guitar and answered, I feel the warmth from your heart. Have fun. And he invited them to sit. 
He sung Despacito by Louis Fonsi, featuring Daddy Yankee. He gazed directly into Katie's eyes. The captain said, We're only here because El Hartthorpe fancies Mrs. here. I think he finds me interesting, said Katie. And the rest, chuckled Lynx. Katie's cheeks flushed when his angelic notes sped up. He had boy band appeal. She kicked herself for liking it. Catching her eye, he pouted. Passing his guitar to a man sitting in the front row, he stood up and clapped, encouraging the crowd to stand. Two women, with hair in buttons, wearing gold-hooped earrings and tight black dresses, held his hands, and at once he spun both. Pulling one near, he whispered into her ear. She grinned. He then turned his attention to an elderly lady. Bending down, he offered his hand. She gladly accepted. They danced for a few steps, finishing by feeding her hand to an elderly gentleman. They continued twirling like two aged swans. A large lady, wearing a low-cut top and bright red lipstick, shouted at them, Hey amigos, come get some sangria. She stood curdling a tropical mixture of bright colours in a large barrel. Piled up high next to her were many animal-shaped glasses. Link said, I'll have a flamingo, please. Captain Cash said uneasily, I won't drink tonight. Link sipped his drink and Katie sipped hers from a parrot glass. Together they buzzed. Link said, This is going to blast us off. I think I can taste colours, said Katie. The lady replied, Yes, this drink helps you feel the peach in the peach and the orange in the orange and the red from the richest apples. It's amazing. I see colours floating before my eyes. I can't taste any alcohol. Is there any? Of course, lots. In the middle of the night, a band of fairies arrived, providing instrumentals and backing vocals. The crowd formed a large circle, creating space for couples to dance. Katie loved salsa, and most of the moves were similar. Brightly coloured ruffled dresses plumed, and flamenco heels stumped the hard and dusty floor. Untied balloons added colour to the vibrant affair. Lynx and Katie locked arms and danced. His long legs strode and strutted. At times he slowed and placed his feet intricately, adding a distinct flair to his flamboyant style. The singer sung whilst dancing, fleeting with many women. Soon it became Katie's turn. He extended his arm. She was unsure. She didn't want to give him the satisfaction that he could dance with any woman he chooses. She waited and he took a polite bow. A woman clapping and stomping her feet, who was always near, squeaked a laugh and said, Hey, Elistria, take me instead. And the lady in a long plumed dress strutted towards him. They gripped each other's waist and the two young swans danced. Katie scrunched her face. The party stayed in full swing late into the night. She planned to talk to someone in charge, but nobody stayed still long enough. It was the longest she'd partied and had sunk many sangrias. Both she and Link felt like they were on a waltzer and all the colours had blurred into one. Captain Cash brought Blue into the campment. He knew they were sleeping there tonight. The wind picked up and she yawned and rose above Blue's fur. I feel rough, she muttered. Lying on the other side of Blue, Link said, My head is pounding. Katie said, I can't remember falling asleep. You passed out, said Captain Cash, unamused. My feet are freezing, Katie said. There's a reason for that, look. Looking to her feet, she said, Where are my shoes? Where are all of your shoes, he said sarcastically. Did we lose them? I haven't been fresher wasted in ages. Nope. They were the price of the party. We will guess, Katie said. Nope, they never said that. They only said we could join. When you're all passed out, I had to negotiate a fee. Blue couldn't back me up. She'd necked half a barrel. That's cheeky, they made us pay. To be fair, we just assumed. 
and you indulged. No one gives them a trade, so I guess this is how they make it. Barefoot, they climbed onto Blue and continued to follow Lynx's feelings. It didn't take long before they came across a tent. Rhythm as a dancer by Snap Boom from its flapping canvas. Tent pegs lay scattered around. Apart from the music, there wasn't any sign of life. But Lynx felt an energy inside, flickering close to ignition. A man came staggering out, holding a bottle of bright orange liquid. He wore a black shirt buttoned up to the collar and a pair of white jeans. His hair was curtains and a grey one undercut. Upon seeing them, he blew a whistle around his neck. It squeaked. He shouted, Oi, geezers! Get in here! It's proper banging! Then he grabbed his crutch and disappeared into a bush. Astride chirped and circled them, then flew through the tent's entrance. Katie said, She's going to check it out. The tent hummed with music, and shortly after, Astride flew back and perched on the top of the entrance. Okay, we can go in, said Katie. Oi, wait up! Let me finish my whiz, said a man from within the bush. He swaggered out, arms wide, towards her, looking her up and down. He said, You're well fit, aren't you? Katie tutted. Thanks, I guess. It's a compliment. Blimey, you can't say anything these days. In my day, people could have a bubble. You know, just crack on. She smirked and said, When were your days? The 90s. That's when things were simple. If you wanted a good time, it was bish bash bosh, and there it was. What was? A proper rave. Now people want too much. They want all these different genres. What we really need is a good vocals and a wicked beat, and that's it. Katie laughed, and he said, Are you coming then? Okay, show us the way, she said. Cool, you're going to love it. With a wide-armed swagger, he led them down a passage and into an empty room. Well, almost empty, there were a couple of others dancing in the middle, waving glow sticks. Link shook his head and under his breath he said, This is why you don't play in Festavia. Oi, lads, come and meet the new ravers. The music crackled from two worn plastic speakers. To Link's, they sounded like nails scratching on a blackboard. Captain Cash acted different. He was at ease. Looking around the tent, he said, This party needs some TLC. The man said, This is Daz and Gary. I'm Stevie P. I didn't catch your names. Katie smiled and said, You didn't ask. I'm Katie. This is Lynx and Captain Cash. My bad. I'm so scattered these days. I'm good at remembering faces, but names I never ask, because I'll forget them anyway. Daz wore a thick puffer jacket, dark jeans, gleaming white trainers, and two gold hoop earrings dangled from his right ear. His red baseball cap was vertical, the peak pointing straight up. Gary was a tall, thin-faced man, his hair was gel flat, and his fringe was separated into four teeth stuck down across his forehead. He donned a lively yellow long-sleeved shirt and wore a shiny gold watch. Aftershave permeated from each. They could even taste it. You right? asked Daz. What's happening? asked Gary. Lynx replied, What's up with the rig, man? You boys need to get some fairies. Speakers are old school. Stevie squinted and said, We like it. Daz looked at him and said, Come off it. We just can't get any to sing for us. Turning the speakers down, they explained why they camped by the coast. Stevie and the others weren't asked to leave Festavia. They went because people stopped turning up. In the end, they gave up their spot to the house rave and took refuge by the coast, away from everyone. Stevie spoke of the glory days, when 90s music ruled, when the rays were massive and people pulled an all-nighter. But then it happened. The love stopped. People didn't want to know. But Stevie still did. And he and his loyal besties stayed holding raves, hoping people would come again. 
Even though there were just a few, they were the first people she felt welcomed by. She wanted to cheer them up and give them a rave. But before she did, she explained why they were there and the impending threat from Lutz. They were worried. They didn't harbour a grudge towards the Thessalians. They were just aggrieved about their rejection. Like the three musketeers, they agreed to fight. Katie said, whilst tying her hair up, I actually really like 90s dance. Play me your best tune. Stevie ran over to the speakers. In an eager frenzy, he said, You're going to love this. It's a proper tune. I can't get no sleep by Faithless, crackled, then boomed. Tune, Gary shouted. Until the early hours, she danced tirelessly with them. Lynx and Captain Cash hung in the corner and sipped their orange fluorescent liquid. Steve shouted to them, Alcopops, proper old school, mate. The morning came and Katie woke triumphantly. Link stood by a cracked mirror, scrubbing his teeth with his finger. He sighed, the orange won't come off. They said goodbye to their new 90s friends and continued on. Shortly, they found a happy hardcore gathering. They were of similar mind and number to the 90s group. They too agreed to join the cause. While striving forward along the coast, something odd happened. Katie said, Blue, please stop. She climbed down and looked out to sea. She said in a trembling voice, I feel really, really odd. Link said, it's a hangover, babe. No, guys, there's something not right. Astride vanished from her shoulder into a puff of smoke that caught their attention. Link's jumped down and touched her shoulders. He tried feeling in his mind what was happening. Then it happened. Her arm popped into a feathered wing. Oh, no. I'm becoming a bird, she cried. Captain Cash checked his arms and said, we shouldn't have had those drinks. Way too much sugar. Her legs turned to thin sticks and dinosaur-like claws sprouted out. Just before her mouth turned to her beak, she shouted, something's wrong back at the club. Carry on and find the others. Then she entirely morphed into a palm-sized sparrow. Lynx cackled a deep laugh, and the captain sighed. Don't worry, Katie. We will go on and find the most horrendous parties ever. Between cackles, Lynx said, this is a new one, babe. Stay close to the coast, and then head straight north. It'll take you back to the forest, then the mountain, and then the palace. She flew up to that eye level, chirped and flew off. The wind slung her forward along the coastline and then she turned inland, heading for the forest in the distance. She passed over the putting greens. Her feathers quivered. The hundreds of golfers she'd left stood like scarecrows, clubs in hand, pale and lifeless. Lutz had turned them all. Monster, she thought. They were no threat to him. Shivers pulsed through her body. It felt like a message was transmitting. Every bone wanted to scream. Get back to Earth! She reached the top of the mountain and flying over the ruins, she spotted Wraith sitting slumped by a smouldering fire. Not having time to stop, she passed straight over him and directly through the door she'd come to return to what she had no idea. Thank you for listening to Waking Wraith, part of the Festavia series. Please follow us on social media and Instagram under Festavia. Also, if you want to show us support, you can buy a book on Amazon which is called Festavia. Chapter 10 flashes back We'll be out in the next couple of days. Thank you very much.